Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. It is Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. This is the Guy Benson Show. I'm your host, Guy Benson. Thank you so much for tuning in. Merry Christmas. We're almost there together. Big show ahead. Our website here at the show every day is GuyBensonShow.com. The podcast every day, including weekends, bonus Benson, free, on demand, round the clock. GuyBensonShow.com. Many other channels to get that free podcast. We love it if you listen live, if possible, especially on our affiliates, Fox Nation, the Fox News app, the live stream. There are lots of ways to listen. Odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. We're just glad you're here. No matter how you got here, welcome. On the show today, we're pretty jam-packed. Jesse Tarloff, who is now, I guess, chief motherhood correspondent here at the Guy Benson Show. She'll be here later in the hour. Kat Timp will do an early Fridays with Kat. It's Christmas. It's all the days sort of bleed into each other. Kat Temp will be here. That'll be fun. I don't even really make plans for those interviews. We just go wherever the spirit leads, and it's usually loads of fun. Also in our next hour, A.B. Stoddard. We'll do a little bit of politics with A.B. Matt with sports later on with all the COVID disruptions. What does that look like for college football playoffs, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL? He'll have the very latest on that. Juan Williams will also be here, our friend and colleague from Fox News. Is that two Democrat or left-leaning guests today? Two? That's interesting. Well, here's a promise. No politics with Juan today. We'll talk Christmas and personal stuff. That's sort of my game plan for Juan. Looking forward to that conversation. Plus, the five most dangerous Christmas songs to listen to. What does that even mean? (laughs) I'm sort of skeptical of that story, but we'll count them down. We'll play snippets. And we'll have that conversation. It's all ahead on the Guy Benson Show here today. Fox News alert as we get going. We'll bring you stats on COVID. Case count 51.5 million. And we know that number is already a low ball. And that number is going to explode with Omicron. The great news, and I do mean great, is the data continues to pour in from all over the world. Not just South Africa, not just the UK, not just various parts of Europe. But data here in the United States as well. New York has been going through Omicron now for a few weeks. The hospitals are holding. They are not getting overwhelmed. It is becoming clearer and clearer that this variant is less severe. It is more mild. It is less likely to put you in the hospital and extremely unlikely to kill you. That is spectacular news before Christmas. It doesn't mean that these cases don't matter and that you shouldn't be vigilant or that you shouldn't think about being vaccinated or boosted. Vaccines and boosters really help. It makes Omicron an Omicold, as Dr. McCary called it. And in fact, we will get to some more commentary on vaccines here in just a moment. 
The death toll, I do want to get to this statistic as well as we do every day, 810,475 people in America have died with or of COVID over the course of this pandemic. Well, there's something that's been happening these last few days, and it continued again. I saw the clip circulating this morning. Former President Trump, and I really want to go out of my way to praise him here. And you all know, if you're regular listeners, I have taken a sometimes Trump approach to his presidency and to his post-presidency. Right? Not never Trump, not always Trump, sometimes Trump. And I try to be honest about where I'm coming from. Intellectually honest as far as I see it. That's the best I can do. That's all I can do on this show from my platform. And I know sometimes you agree, sometimes you disagree. You know, I've been very critical of him on certain things. I think deservedly so. But I'm also not relentlessly critical of him. And when he's done good things and as president, he did a lot of good things. I've been willing to say so. One of the things that I had always wished, and I'd expressed this on the air a few times, I wished he had taken more ownership, more enthusiastically, of the vaccines that I think was one of the most significant things he did as president. Shattering records, getting safe and effective vaccines to the market in record time with Operation Warp Speed. There were all sorts of doubters and haters and people, you remember, Wondering if this was even possible. Were his promises over the top? Was this the right approach? The right priority? The right use of all that money? People were saying, well, if this gets done under Trump, we won't take it or we're going to doubt it, including, famously, now Vice President Harris did so pretty prominently. But in spite of all of that noise and in spite of some of the other failures and spin and some of the stuff that he said that I didn't like and all of the things that didn't go well, And I think nothing went well in a lot of countries because it was a pandemic, right? Unleashed on the world with no warning. The single most important thing that Trump could have done was to green light and fund Operation Warp Speed. And he did. And I think that is to his immense credit. And we mentioned yesterday a study estimating that one million American lives, a million American lives were saved because of these vaccines. I mean, that's a huge feather in his cap. And he's talked about it. Sometimes he shies away because there's elements of his base that they're vaccine skeptical. It seems like in the last couple days in particular, he woke up one morning and said, you know what? Screw this. We developed these vaccines. We had a bunch of people doubting and saying that we couldn't do it or we shouldn't do it the way we were doing. And now we have achieved something really great. And a few folks have observed, I think this is a fair observation, how many American presidents ever can say with a straight face, with credibility, with some actual data to back it up, my policy saved a million Americans, a million lives. Trump can do that on this front, in my opinion. And I think it's been annoying him that the vaccines that were developed under his administration have become sort of appropriated by the Democrats and by the left and by his critics, sort of all taking credit and ownership for this stuff, while a lot of his supporters are the most vocal people against it, I think he decided, I don't want them to get all that credit, and I do want us to recognize what we achieved, meaning, and we is his administration, and he wants his supporters to embrace that and start to sort of act like that. 
So we saw his comments in the public event with O'Reilly. And a few people, when he said, yes, I've been boosted, a few people were, you know, jeered a little bit. And he shut them right down. We played you the audio. And he said, let's not play into the hands of our critics. Let's step up and say, hell yes, we did this. Then Biden finally praised him and his administration twice in his speech the other day. Trump came back and said that was a very good thing. He appreciated it. That's the type of thing that the country needs to heal, and it was important. So like a pretty copacetic, positive vibe there from Donald Trump. And then going even further, he sat down and did an interview with Candace Owens. And the vaccines came up. And I have to say, on these next three clips that I'm going to play for you, I find myself nodding along and thrilled with what Trump is saying. How he's saying it, the forum in which he's saying it, I hope every American, certainly every American who voted for Donald Trump, gets an opportunity to listen to what he says. So let's start with cut 19. Where do you stand on these vaccine mandates? And obviously, I know that you are you are pro-vaccine. Obviously, you did everything you could to get this vaccine out. I know it where you stand on the vaccine. was one of the greatest achievements. We did it in less than nine months. And to be able to do that. Yeah, but where, but now it's years. taken a twist, right? It's, it's gotten, now we went from, this is a good thing and people should have this option, mm-hmm. to military men, you're going to have to resign yeah. because you're, you're not getting this vaccine. Where do you stand yeah. on that? Well, I stand on, forget about the mandates, that people have to have their freedom, but yeah. at the same time, the vaccine is one of the greatest achievements of mankind. We would have had a 1917, remember the Spanish flu, killed perhaps 100 million people. Actually, it ended the First World War because the soldiers were so, a lot of people don't know that. The soldiers got so sick, it was a terrible thing. There were no vaccines, there were no anything. I came up with a vaccine, with three vaccines. Mm-hmm. All are very, very good. Came up with three of them in less than nine months. It was supposed to take five to 12 years. So he is asked about the mandate side, and rather than dwelling on the mandates, he's against them. I think most right-leaning people are against them, and I think even some left-leaning people are against them. But Trump says, forget about the mandates, people need their freedom, but, and then he pivots to the achievement of the vaccines. Three of them. All very good. And then he goes on in this back and forth, cut 20. Yeah, more people have died under COVID this year, by the way, under Joe Biden than under you, and more people took the vaccine this year, so people are questioning how... Well, no, the vaccine worked, but yeah. some people aren't taking it. The ones, the ones that get very sick and go to the hospital are the ones that don't take the vaccine, but it's still their choice, and if you take the vaccine, you're protected. Look, the results of the vaccine are very good, and if you do get it, it's a very minor form. People aren't dying when they take the vaccine. I mean, that's correct. Broadly speaking, if you look at all of the data... Even with all these breakthrough cases, and I think with Omicron, you've got vax people, even boosted people who are getting Omicron, but it's almost, it's a mild nothing event. The question comes back to him saying, oh, well, you've had a lot of people taking the vaccine, and still people are dying, so people are wondering and questioning whether, and and Trump jumps right in and says, no, the vaccines work because most of the people who are getting very sick and hospitalized and dying, they're people who aren't taking the vaccine. He says their choice But there's protection against bad outcomes if you get vaccinated. Now, there are some examples of people, and of course, we now have, what is it, 70 plus percent of the American eligible population has at least one shot. So you're going to have some people, especially those with underlying conditions, who will be vaxxed and will go to the hospital. 
or who are vaxxed and even die. It's not unheard of. It's not 100% effective against those things. But even now, even with all these Omicron cases all over the country spreading like wildfire, the data still shows very clearly that what Donald Trump, the former president, just said there that we played is exactly right. Disproportionately, and it's not even close, the people having bad outcomes from COVID are the unvaccinated. And there is a great deal of powerful protection against those bad outcomes from the vaccines, all of those three vaccines that were developed under Operation Warp Speed. And to hear Trump getting sort of aggressive on this point and making it, I think, very clear, and he's right on the data, he's right on the merits, I think this is fantastic. And I've heard people saying, why is he doing this now? Why didn't he do it sooner? Why did he calculate that this is in his wheelhouse at the moment? What's he thinking he's going to benefit? Look, I don't know. You can come up with a theory here, a theory there. You might view this as one of the surest signs that he is very seriously thinking about running again. And he feels like this is a political winner on multiple fronts in terms of a huge achievement, in terms of a contrast with the Democrats, in terms of trying to claw back some of those independents that he turned off, you could go through a whole political analysis here. And people are already doing that, and we can have that discussion at some point. For now, I don't care why he's doing it. I'm just very glad that he's doing it. And to see the emphasis that he's placing on the efficacy on the safety, on the benefit to people. And in some ways, honestly, he's messaging it better than the public health officials. Like, think about some of the jumbled nonsense and contradictory stuff and fear-mongering that you've heard from Fauci, from Walensky, from others. That last answer that we just played was clear, concise, accurate. If he had talked like that about COVID-related issues... On a consistent basis, he would still be president. He wouldn't have lost the election. I really believe that. I think he would have won if we didn't have COVID. No pandemic. We get a Trump re-election. The economy was amazing. I have to say, I was very impressed with this. And not grading on any sort of curve. This was a very good answer by him. But then he also leaned into another issue that you all know, if you listen to the show regularly, is, I would say, a point of contention for me a burr under my saddle, a hobby horse, if you will. And he's obviously annoyed by it, too. So I'm like, go. I'm like, preach, sir. I'm all about his answer in Cut 21. What about the masking of children? That's that's a big I, one for moms right now. I think it's a terrible right thing. I think it's a terrible thing. That flies the in the face of science. The kids have a virtual 0% right. chance of dying of COVID, and yet they're insisting on these vaccine mandates. I mean, I'm sorry, on these um, the masking mask, mandates, yeah, yeah. and now the, even the vaccine mandates for small children. Right. and. What's going on there? I think what's happening is you look at the masks where Fauci and a lot of other people said masks don't mean anything. All of a sudden, he becomes a radical masker. I don't like to see the kids with the masks on. They're sitting in school. They have a hard enough time sitting in school. It's like China. I've been to China. uh, Well, yet China's education system is a hell of a lot better than ours. You know what? They're rated number two or three, and we're rated number 44. But masking children, I mean, the way it looks, right? It doesn't look like a free country. I'm, uh, I'm against it. He's against the masking of kids, and he's also in line with the science on that. 
Now, we can talk about China's education system, and I think we should be worried about what they're doing and how serious they are about supplanting us as the superpower on this planet. That is a separate debate and conversation. But for him to make the points that he made about vaccines and adults and then masks and kids, it's like he's talking exactly to me. And I think this is terrific. And I want to give him credit with no caveats or asterisks. Good stuff. And I hope his supporters and even people who are skeptical of him, I hope they listen because he's right. All right, we're just getting started. It's almost Christmas. It's the Guy Benson Show. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Let me ask you about what you said on July 4th. I know you remember it well. Uh, You told the American people we're closer than ever to our independence from a deadly virus. Do you think you overpromised? No, we were closer than ever. But there's a lot we don't know. It's like, I'm sure you're going to ask me, when's this going to end? How are we going to do this? Are we certainly going to be able to overcome the Delta virus, excuse me, the the, uh, virus, uh, COVID-19? The answer is, the expectation is yes, because we have the best scientists in the world. We're moved so rapidly compared to other countries. But we don't know. We don't know for certain. So that's why. Back on the Guy Benson show, that was the president on ABC News with David Muir, who was asking him, did you overpromise? And to me, the overpromise wasn't so much at July 4th and Independence Day, although, of course, we do remember that. It was the campaign trail pledge over and over again, repeatedly, almost ad nauseum, we're going to shut down the virus. We're not going to shut down the country. We're going to shut down the virus, is what Biden promised, saying, we'll do the science Unlike this guy, vote for me, we'll kill COVID and go back to normal. And that was, I think, a very arrogant thing to say, especially given his track record on case counts, hospitalizations and deaths. I'm not blaming him. But when you promise to do something big like that and you win largely on that promise and then things go sideways, some of them anticipated, some of them not, I think it's completely a fair knock to say, of course he overpromised, and he's underdelivered. 
Some of that is beyond his control, but some of it is not. That, I think, is where part of his political peril is and where it stems from. All right, when we come back, we will get to our first guest of the day, Jessica Tarloff, a new mother. We will ask her about that whole experience heading into the holidays when we return. It's The Guy Benson Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. It's Christmas time on the Guy Benson Show. Thank you for listening. GuyBensonShow.com for that. Free podcast every day if you miss anything on any given show. Well, we are joined now from her maternity leave, which is very impressive. Fox News contributor, head of research at Bustle, and chief motherhood correspondent here at the Guy Benson Show, Jessica Tarloff. And Jesse, welcome back. Thank you. I have to begin by saying on the air, we've said it privately, of course, but over the air from our whole team to you and your husband and your family, congratulations, Mazel Tov, how exciting. You have a daughter. <laughs> She's finally here. We talked so much about her pre-arrival. It's now post-arrival. When was she born? It's been, a, what, a couple weeks now? Yeah, she, December 11th, so she's, what is that, 11 days, 12 so days she, old? Oh, so she is 12. just teeny tiny, teeny tiny little baby. And, yeah, and my husband, her, though, has already started with the, where did the time go? She's going to be going to college soon. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you, you've got, you know, give or take uh, 18 years still on that. So, so don't worry. It <laughs> will fly, just not yet. So her name is? Is Cleo. Is that a family name? Is that a name that you guys chose yourselves? It's always fascinating to learn the background story and how people land on names for their kids. Yeah, so we um, Cleo is just a name that we liked, um, or rather I should say a name that I really liked and then got it by my husband who wanted to name the baby boy or girl Reggie. So oh. we managed to agree on Cleo. And oh. then her <laughs> middle name is Marky. And my dad's name was Mark. So yes. we decided to kind of do the family, my side of the family with Marky instead of Charlove. Because I, I feel like I'm my mother never changed her last name either. And we have Roberts, which is her last name, as like a second middle name. But my sister and I never use it. So I wanted to give her something that, you know, she may like to use. And we like Cleo Markey and also Markey McKenna is a great name. Um, her last name is McKenna. So Ooh, would you call her, her? Would you call her Markey or are you just going to call her Cleo? I, I think we're just going to start with just calling her Cleo. Um, but you have a nickname in I, mind, potentially. No, 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 no. Cleo. No, I think it'll just be Cleo. We call her Little Little. 
but that's just because we're so big and she's so little, little. I don't know how long that will last. It'll last a while. So Mm -hmm. I have to ask you, as a new mother and a first-time mother, uh, what's the biggest pleasant surprise so far? And we can get to the other side of the equation maybe at some point, but what were you not anticipating or ready for that has been a special sort of delight that maybe you couldn't have been ready for? Um, well, I was delighted by my very fast labor. So that Ooh. was only an hour and Whoa. how great an epidural a plus. Was. Yeah, no, that was pretty great. I didn't feel anything. And there are some graphic stories I'll tell you offline about that. Um, oh. But one thing that I wasn't prepared for, I kind of thought everybody was joking about is this like reservoir of energy that you get when they need something. Cause I'm someone that sleeps, you know, nine hours a night normally. And I've been, you know, doing the nap when she naps kind of thing, but you're just so overwhelmed by this drive to keep them alive and to just be present for every moment that they're present, uh, that you just find, you find something in yourself that's so fundamentally different uh, than anything you've ever experienced. So I would say that. And how weird it is to have made a person. Yeah, you did that. Also. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah, I nailed did that. it. Yeah. That's very exciting. And is there, because I know people have these discussions, even about tiny infants that are whatever, 11 days old. And sometimes you're like, okay, I can see that. Other times, feels like it's grasping at straws. Have you had the conversation of like, oh, she looks like me or she looks mm-hmm. like you or, or is it too early to tell? Well, everyone tells me anyway <laughs> that she looks like Brian, like my husband. And apparently that's an evolutionary thing to get dads to stick around, like that they know that they're theirs. And she has gone through phases. There have been a couple days where she looks more like me, but net net and the hair is a dead giveaway that she's yeah, the hair she's is definitely mini Bryant. Yeah, the hair is and insane. Like I want that hair now. It's very impressive. And if anyone is curious about little Cleo and the whole family, you posted an adorable photograph on Twitter promoting very kindly your appearance on this show letting people know that you're going to be on. And then here's the happy family together. You guys all look amazing. People can follow you. Is it just at Jessica Tarloff on Twitter? Yeah, I'm not a big personal poster, though. So if you if you want to know that I still think Hillary Clinton would have been a better president than Trump, it looks more like that on my Twitter feed. But I did want one family photo up there. Yeah, I, I really wish you hadn't mentioned Hillary Clinton. We can just we'll just pretend that well, that didn't happen. We'll just pretend that that didn't okay. happen. So has there been anything about motherhood that's like woo? Like because I the thing that everyone always talks about is the sleeping, and you talked about right. your desire to sleep a lot, and I'm generally in the same boat as that. It seems like having a tiny person who is completely reliant upon you at all times and may not sleep in a pattern that is terribly um, ideal, I guess, for a parent, that that might be one adjustment. That's also like a cliche answer, the sleeping. Is there anything else that's been, you know, kind of a downside so far, but you're muddling through? Um, The amount that you have to eat and drink to be able to produce breast milk 
is something that I was not informed of, that you can't just kind of do what you want. You have to actually, it's strange because at the same time that you're doing the most unhealthy of things, right? Like staying up all the time. They're also saying get plenty of rest and fluids and you need to make sure that you're consuming, you know, X amount of calories and they're not really, it's not two pieces of advice or two realities that work together that well. So that's, so this is related to that, and again, I, I like I don't know the answer to this. I'm genuinely curious, and maybe it's different from woman to woman. But your pregnancy, like your like during your pregnancy, your cravings that we talked about when we had you on the show as our chief yeah. pregnancy correspondent at the time, um, mm-hmm. you had, for example, your hot dog craving. Does that just end the moment the baby is born and it's like reset back to normal? Or how does that work? How has that worked for you? Well, I have not had a hot dog, but I have still had Katz's pastrami. So part Mm. of it is hanging tough. Um, I think it's also (laughs) just like what's around. Um, You're kind of at that point and people are sending food, which is a great thing. But then you end up sitting there in front of an enormous cake. And you're like, this is good for my baby, right? This gives me (laughs) plenty of energy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, cake I need and milk, banana whatever. cream cheesecake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, um, I will say, just because I have you publicly and we're talking to the whole country on national radio, I did text you a request for your registry, and you you have not revealed that to me. So I just want to publicly I will, say... I will send it to you. Okay, we would love to do something, but if you don't Thank want anything, you. then we're also happy to do to to respect those wishes as well. Right. I just, you know, it's one of those things where we live in such a, we're so lucky and we have everything that we need. And it's such a lovely thing. And you and the whole show has been so gracious and wonderful about my pregnancy and my father's passing. And, you know, you and Adam have bought some of his wine, um, which, yes, it benefits you, but also some proceeds I'm well, sure the, go to my family in some Well, way. here's the thing about, um, about the wine. The wi- just very quickly, the wine that we, bought, <clears throat> that we bought from your dad's vineyard, we actually had folks over for dinner the other night, and it was a buddy of mine from church youth group. He and I were in the oh, youth group with your sister's husband, so we opened up yeah. a bottle of your dad's wine and drank it. That's fantastic. I'll let Alex know. My sister is a... Husband, a full, a full Tarlovian moment. Yes, yes, it really, it was a lot. I'm like, this is, this is a lot of Tarlov happening right here, and none of them are <laughs> even here, but they're here in spirit, which what mat- is what matters. Tell Alex that Guy and Tommy uh, said hi. In any case, yeah, I did want to shift gears briefly, and you can text me, you can text me the link or not. It's fine. Um, during, and I'm trying to think, did this whole story, this controversy happen, like maybe while you were like literally giving birth, so you may have missed it, one of the dumb things that we talk about, and obviously we are not just, we're not doing politics today, it's Christmas, it's fine, um, is Peloton. Yeah. You're a Peloton person, I'm a Peloton person. Oh, did you see the Peloton the thing? the Sex City person. Yes, yes. Yes. What do you think of that? What do you think of what Sex and the City did, and what do you think of Peloton's response? Okay, so I was actually just talking to my mom about this because me and my mom and sister all love Sex and the City. We've all watched the first three episodes of And Just Like That, which is the new show. And we were all very disappointed by the response 
to the the rape allegations against Chris Noth. It was very strange. It took them, like Peloton acted right away. And I do think that was the appropriate response to pull the commercial. I thought it was funny how their stock dropped at first. And uh, spoiler alert, I guess, for your audience, if they haven't seen this. Oh, no, we've we've talked Uh, about this because they had his character. Okay. Yeah, we and, and spoiler alert again, spoiler alert. Um, they had his character have a heart attack after doing a Peloton with, and it wasn't like a generic, it was the actual Peloton bike with one of their instructors. And I guess Peloton had no idea that was going to happen. And it was sort of like, Oh, this killed someone. So then they got the same actor, Chris Noth. And I've never actually watched sex in the city ever, but like, I know that he's one of the big characters. I know, I know, I know. And so they had him come back and do a commercial for Peloton with the instructor from that ride and I thought it was very clever but then there was this what this whole swirl of accusations against that actor that have come to the surface since exactly so there have been two um you know credible allegations of sexual assault from years ago from 2005 um one inclusive of a hospital report um from you know forcible penetration and Chris Noss denies that it wasn't consensual and that will be litigated. Um, but the show only mustered a statement from the three stars, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kristen Davis, and um, Cynthia Nixon, that said, you know, every woman has a right to be heard or something. And it was that was it. And I imagine that there must have been conversations within HBO about whether they yank the show, because even though he's only in the first episode, it's really about his relationship with Carrie, the, the main character, and her grieving process. And oh, and it's also an it's also present. an accusation, right? Like, do you do you pull yes. the show over an allegation? No, not necessarily. But you also have to consider what show it is and who these these women are all activists. Right. And Cynthia Nixon even ran for governor of New York. I'm just saying yeah, that I right. was surprised they, they kicked up a bigger fuss about things not related to them. And this hits a lot closer to home, I would say. So, no, obviously no one's life should be ended, you know, or their w- way to earn money taken away over an allegation. But it mm-hmm. didn't. It seemed a little milk toast to me for the level of accusation as compared to how hot and bothered they get about other things that are about, not related okay, so to someone it's, who that's, was on that's their an interesting, show. You're, compar- you're comparing their own standards. You're holding them to, to their own previous standards, and then, yes, this is someone close to home, someone that they know, and maybe they're you know soft-pedaling it a little bit. I'm not saying that there's that that's the wrong thing to do, but um, no, I don't follow their careers as closely as you do. <laughs> no, well, fair enough. To do, but so, so we will, we will. Uh, let's let's claw this back from the sexual assault allegations back to a a perhaps happier, uh, more holiday friendly conversation here. You are on maternity leave for a while. When can mm-hmm. the Fox audience anticipate having you back on their TVs so they can yell at you again? <laughs> yes, they seem to be really missing me. Um, so I, I know that I'm going to take at least 12 weeks. Um, so I think 12, 
week. So like in another, you know, two and a half months, something like that. Oh, no, no, we're working it out. Um, I'm not sure basically, uh, but it is nice. I get, um, I get a very healthy maternity leave, which is something I'm very thankful for. It's incredible um, how much time you actually need or they, you want, and it's almost immediate. And the five, and you're like, oh my god, the I, five gave you a really nice send off with, with oh my god, baby the shower baby and shower all that stuff. That was hilarious. It was so good. I was floored, and my husband doesn't even like you know being at a large dinner party, let alone being on television. So they had yep. him surprise me. And then uh, Dana did an adorable one more thing about Cleo's birth last week. The whole staff at the five has just been sensationally um, supportive, as has the whole Fox family. Um, but we're we're very thankful. And, and, and Cleo's already she's already been on TV. She's already been the num- on the number one show in cable three days a week. Yeah. So yep. that's very exciting. impressive. I mean, Tucker has that's quite a debut. On, but. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what, what a debut for Cleo. And, yeah, I thought that that special that they did for you or, like, you know, the, the special segment with the uh, the surprise, uh, you know, shower, baby shower and all that. Was was your favorite gift, be honest, was your favorite gift the signed photo of Greg Gutfeld of himself? I mean, that we ha- we still have it. It is not up in the nursery. <laughs> it's not um, in the garbage. Okay. <laughs> it's not in the garbage. Um, that was great. And I don't know what, you know, GOP bookshop Jesse found those books in, you know, the MAGA kids books. Um, but <laughs> yes. I love, you know, uh, Dana gave me a mini Vichla, uh, like Percy and Jasper. And Judge uh, Piro gave me, like, baby's first gavel, which is very cute. So, I mean, everyone did amazing stuff. And the staff, they actually, the producers like Megan and Brett and Christina and Johnny, all fantastic. They all gave me their favorite baby books um, with little notes oh, inside. And that's so awesome. I, I, that's a great, that's always a great gift. Like, Good Night Moon is like a staple in my opinion. It's a fantastic book. We've got to go. We're up on a break, Jesse. But congratulations. We are so thrilled for you. Hopefully you'll have a great holiday week here and a great new year. And maybe, maybe, maybe you'll like pop onto the radio from time to time. We won't harass you too much. Although, you know, it's Christine, so you never know. I, I welcome Christine's harassment. Um, thank you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy New Year. Um, all the good things. Thanks, Jesse. And we'll be right back. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Back on the Guy Benson Show. Thanks for listening. Well, some rough inflation news out today. We'll get into that a bit later on. That'll be a big issue in 2022, as will crime. Two Democratic lawmakers carjacked at gunpoint in the last 24 hours. One in Chicagoland, one in Philadelphia, both soft on crime Democrats. That is going to be something that Republicans are hammering on in the midterm election cycle. All right, we'll break. Another hour coming up. Cat Temp straight ahead. It's the Guy Benson Show. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. It's a brand new hour here on the Guy Benson Show. It is almost Christmas. Merry Christmas, one and all. 
We are almost there. Thank you very much for tuning in. 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time every weekday. And it's around the clock, available on demand. Podcast side, if you miss any of the show as it airs, again, free of charge, GuyBensonShow.com. That's our website here. One-stop shop, everything you need to know, all the goodies you might ever want, GuyBensonShow.com. Joining us now is Kat Tim, Fox News contributor, co-host of Gutfeld, exclamation point, co-host of the Tyrus and Tim podcast as well at FoxNewsPodcasts.com. Kat Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too, Mr. Benson. Do you get more Christmas gifts in general for your husband or for your animals? Like cheens, for example. Um, well, I don't really give Christmas gifts. I give like something small for Christmas. But I usually am smart about Christmas gifts too. Like, okay, I have the best gift idea ever. Okay. I do it for my brother. I pay for his Spotify account, and I do it one time. So now every year, guess what I'm getting you? I'm renewing your Spotify subscription. (laughs) I'm sure he's (laughs) delighted and surprised every year by your creativity. (laughs) Except the thing is, it's actually pragmatic and practical, and he uses it all year, and it's something that's useful. So like, it is kind of boring and predictable and not exciting, but is that necessarily the point? I think it's a good gift. Yeah, and absolutely, especially because it takes the stress off of both of us, right? Because it's stressful to give a gift. It can also be, like, stressful to receive a gift if it's from someone you're close to, right? Like your partner (laughs) or, like, a sibling you're really close to or, like, your parents. Because you know if they hate it, and they will know you know. And, like, so if you're receiving it, you don't like it. You worry about that, too. He doesn't have to worry about it. He, He just knows his Spotify is good for a year. How do you do it with Cam? your husband, and back when you were dating, do you drop hints about what you want? Do you have an explicit list? Do you not really want gifts from him? How do you signal to your significant other? Listen, I really don't ever want Christmas gifts because I get stressed out about what to give people, and I give people presents. Like, I'll give Cam presents sometimes for no reason. Um, But, yeah, I do, Cam. He's listening. (laughs) <laughs> but he's like, is he calling BS from the kitchen right now? He's is that not calling BS. <laughs> and I no, I do like cute stuff for like other stuff, but I really want to talk about it on the radio. So stop. It's okay, just, like, romantic. Can... I, I do like sweet romantic things, and I don't want to talk about it because it'll ruin my brand. Um, oh yes, because you're cold but, and that girl, no, and you I, don't I want don't people know. to know it's that you're actually personal. sort of a softy. It's just personal. Oh, I'm not a softy. I'm cold as ice. But, um, like, I think it's fun to, like, if you want to get tickets to, like, an event with someone, you know, like, that they want to go to, you do have to talk to them about that. Yeah, I think because that's that's an experience, and unless you really know that they love it, then it's better to collaborate, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, like, if you're, like, a a financially stable adult, like, every day is Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, if I wanted a sweater, I'd buy a sweater, you know? I think that that's a but, mature way to look at it. Yeah, I, I don't really like Valentine's Day either. My birthday, though, is very serious to me because that's the day where it's like it's about me. So, no, oh, that's a big one. By the way, your husband is texting me mid-segment. I think he's trying to fact-check things in real time. So we're gonna we're gonna move on. We're gonna. So you did mention that you're cold as ice, and that's a great transition into what I called you on Gutfeld this week. You were off that night. 
and I had to note your absence at a strategically apropos time, and I did text you <laughs> apologizing for this, but not really that sorry because it was funny. Cut 22. You know, uh, you don't want to piss off meth heads because they don't sleep. <laughs> Where's Cat, by the way? <laughs> For the record, Cat, I just wanted to clear the air here between us. I don't appreciate that you are called a meth head and a crack addict and all the things that he calls you, Greg, on a regular basis. However, that is part of the running joke of the show, so I couldn't resist. Is that an acceptable joke? Um, well, let's think about it. It depends who you ask, because there are some <laughs> grandmothers out there in the U.S. of A. who are like, send me actually serious emails about how they're concerned about my, quote, blatant drug use. Um, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> they would all be very disappointed to find out how, uh, you know, how uh, I've never, you know, seen meth, for example. But, you know, Greg makes those jokes all the time. But Greg also employs me and, like, supports me a lot, like, throughout my career. So, guy, I can't wait to see what you do, what you do for my career because you made a meth joke about me. Well, it was more of just playing. See, I feel like contributing well to your show. Are you show... telling me you want a co-host? You're telling me you want a co-host? You're, tell... You're saying you want it to be Benson and Tim? I, I'm, I am not take... saying that. I'm, I don't know. I am, I think I I am simply say saying that when I appear on Gutfeld and do a good job, we had great ratings the other night. I feel like that helps your career because you're the co-host of the show, and any little part I can do to add to the success is also helpful to you, but also helpful to me. I think it's just a symbiotic thing. Yeah, I agree. And you know, listen, yeah, you, you do great on the show. You know, you got some good. You've had some good lines, I must say. I appreciate it. There's a lot well, look, there's pressure, right? Because Greg's got all the jokes. You are always prepared and you've got some what was your uh your riff the other day about oh Biden's war on women? That was funny. Oh yeah, you well you have to watch the whole video. I can't recreate the the perfect comedic moment that I created there. Uh, that was, was good stuff. Though. It was just a perfect execution. So uh I would I would <laughs> like to send everyone to the video where I perfectly executed the bit. Um, and they can and follow Morgan you on, as well. on social. Oh, Morgan, uh, yeah. Morgan is uh, good people. Yeah, at Cat Tim on both, on both Twitter and Instagram. I invite everyone to follow me and watch my War on Women video. <laughs> I want to ask you this, Cat. There was a study that we talked about last night. I was filling in for Kennedy, and you know, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of this study, not as much of another study that we're going to talk about later in the show today, but 53% of Americans based on this study in the survey say that 2021 was the worst year of their lives. They have never had a worse year than 2021, 53%. And so we got into a bit of a debate with the panel last night. Was 2020 worse or was 2021 worse? And that's the type of sort of sunny and cheerful debate that I know you would love to participate in. So if I put you on the spot, looking back to 2020 and all the nonsense that we went through that year, and then 2021, which we're just wrapping up now, the optimist way of asking would be, which one was better? Or how excited are you for 2022? But the Cat Timp question is, 
Which one was worse? And I think you'll probably have a good answer, regardless of whether or not we agree, because I have a strong opinion on this. Okay, so the thing is, I don't get to have a strong opinion on this, because I got married this year. So if I say that this year was the worst, that's insulting. Also, uh, you know, I mean, I I had great stuff happen this year. You know, and also the the show the show's five nights a week now. I was only on a weekly show last year, you know. So like, I would also be insulting my employer. So if I said twenty twenty one was worse, I I I would be insulting both my uh, spouse and my employer. So I'm gonna have to say twenty twenty. But then if I say twenty twenty, I'm insulting everyone who had a worse. You know, you can't win. Well, no, because I think it's 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 for you personally, because I didn't ask you which was worse for the country. The question was, which was worse for you personally? And I think you've got a very clear answer there. You got married in 2021. It was amazing. Your career took off even more like a rocket ship with Gutfeld hitting the big time every single night, really succeeding and thriving in the ratings and you know beating these institutions like The Tonight Show on a regular basis. Amazing. That would, I think be a an equation if you will to say 2021 was actually despite all the stuff happening was actually arguably maybe one of the best years of your life this is allowed it's, right, it's yeah. okay or the, it was transformatively positive <laughs> right so right. I, I think that's fair you know, tough at times could be i did have some tough times um but you know i think overall my argument is for the country writ large, I would say 2021 was tougher just because we really felt like at the end of 2020, okay, we've been through the worst and the vaccines are coming and then everything's going to sort of get back to normal. And then 2021 begins and you have, you know, the January 6th stuff and then a bunch of people still getting sick and dying and a bunch of restrictions like a yo-yo or a roller coaster on again, off again in certain parts of the country. And it's just like what a lot of people, I think, had adjusted their brains to expecting after a traumatic period of whatever it was, eight months, nine months in 2020. It didn't go according to plan, which I think was like maybe more demoralizing than the sense that we had in the early days where it was so unexpected and we were all right. sort of in it oh, together. Yeah, the pots and pans for the healthcare workers. Right, right, and clapping every There's night, and now we're just like anymore. booing each other on the street now for we're no like reason. Firing the healthcare workers. <laughs> right. So I think that that's my argument why 2021 was worse, broadly right. speaking, writ like, large. And it's scary too. Like you know, you start to think like I want to be able to be around. You know, all my loved ones, including people who are old, and not right. worry that if I breathe on them, they're going to die. Like, it's, you know, and Omicron obviously is way milder than other variants, you know what I'm But, like, this is, like, there's always a new thing. Last so you, question. Yeah, we've lost hope. We're starting to lose hope. Sorry. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're starting to lose hope. Merry Christmas, Cat Timp. We're not going to leave it on that note because I have one more question. And I suspect you might have some strong thoughts on it. We will get to that with Cat Timp right after this short break. It's the Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. I'm Guy Benson. We're back on the Guy Benson Show along with Cat Timp, Fox News contributor. And I do have this question, and I'm sort of almost scared to ask it, but here we go. Was there ever a time, and by the way, if you've got little kids around, let's uh, let's migrate away to another show just for a few minutes here. 
Kat, you strike me as the type of person who never believed in Santa. Like, you would just be, like, emerge from the womb and be like, nope, don't even start with on the Santa stuff. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Am I wrong about that? Did you have some magic in you back in the day? Well, a girl told me about the tooth fairy not being real in kindergarten, and I did some deductive reasoning from there because I was really smart. <laughs> so I said, so I said, well, what about what about um, the Easter Bunny? And then my mom was like, then I was like, Santa. So I was like really young. So I always like you know felt like how do these kids still believe this? But I didn't want to tell them because I didn't want to do. Um, what that girl did to me to them. But that's why it's really important to me that we are never telling our kids about Santa. And Cam says we are, but I'll tell them the truth. Like, it's a situation where, like, I'll win. I'll just tell them. Wait, so you're going to ruin I, Santa for your own children? Trust, how how was I ever supposed to trust my parents after they lied to me about that? Like, you Well, can't. because it's, it's the most wonderful white lie ever, <laughs> and it's sort of a tradition no, and a rite of passage. I think, and it's, it's, I think it destroys people. Santa destroys people? This is your position on Christmas Eve Eve? I think it has. Let me revise that because I don't want to sound crazy. I will just say that I think that Santa, parents lying to their children about Santa has the capability to perhaps destroy some children and their ability to trust their parents. I personally think that in the United States of America, it is the sacred duty of parents to lie to their children about Santa for a certain period of time. I'm like you, though. I was thinking about it. I was really struggling with logistics. Right? I was like four or five. I was struggling to imagine the logistics making sense, so I cornered my mother, and I was just like, you always teach me not to lie, so you have to tell me the truth, and I was just like, and she was sort of panicked. What do I do? And she told me the truth, and that was that. But I kept the secret for my siblings to sort of enjoy by proxy the magic through them for years to come. That was the way that I, I did it. I enjoyed the magic. I enjoyed the magic. I don't believe magic is built on lies. All right. I mean, like when you say magic. What you really were referring to is a lie. <laughs> I mean, and the not... fact that America bands together to do it is even worse. Like the one thing <laughs> we can band together to do is for a is for a lie. We can band well, together to lie. Well, I, you know, I I feel like that's a very strong word to use. No, and listen, I have a strong I, you, opinion. You, clearly, you, when you asked me this, you did not know the Pandora's box you were opening. No, no, I feel like I should have led with this, and we could have had like a, a thirty-minute debate about Santa. I think the Santa mythology and the Santa excitement and the joy among young kids around Santa is a wonderful, very pure thing, and I don't think it's a problem. And I don't think it's the same thing as, like, lying, for example, to the country that a dear friend of yours is a meth head, right? That, that's arguably worse. No, no, no. Yeah, you did that to me, by the way. Great Christmas spirit. But <laughs> I, I will say, I don't, you think, don't you think it's harmful, honestly, to tell children that when they go to bed, a strange old man's going to come down through the chimney and leave them things and then ride away. Like, like, and we make people, like, believe that? Like, children are people. They're just, like, younger. 
I mean, like that, I don't, you don't if you, if you put it that way, it sounds way creepier than it is, but it's not like we invented this two minutes ago. It's been passed down through the generations. Plenty of bad things get passed down through generations. I'm <sighs> like, I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, to tuck your kids in and be like, this is old fat man is going to wriggle down our chimney, and, but only if you're good. But if you're not good, that old man's not wriggling down here. Yeah, that, that is a little manipulative. <laughs> like, what are we telling these kids? And then we, like, the lengths they go, like, oh, look, the old man, took, like, that wriggled down the chimney, took a bite off of the cookie. Like, it's, like, this massive, like, it's, like, this massive lie that the whole country, like, goes to deceive you. Yeah, like, and he writes I, you the just, note to thank you for the cookies and the milk, yeah, but the note like, the, the note is strangely in the handwriting of your mother. <laughs> yeah, now, like, all of a sudden you're creating, like, a co-parenting relationship with a third physical person, like, fictional person. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I don't think it's healthy. I won't be doing it. <sighs> well, on that wonderful Christmas note, we're up on a break. Cat Timpf. Well, we love you. Merry Christmas to you and Cam and your whole family. We can't wait to uh, celebrate not Santa, something else in the new year. And maybe we'll do like a, a retrospective Christmas review and New Year's review when we talk in early 2022. Does that sound okay? Sounds great to me. My views right, on Cat. Santa will not have changed. Yeah, clearly, clearly not. Apparently a very touchy subject for Cat Timpf, Fox News contributor, co-host of Gutfeld and co-host of the Tyrus and Timf podcast. Thank you, Kat. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We'll be right back. We continue. It's the Guy Benson Show. Thank you so much for listening every day. Merry Christmas. GuyBensonShow.com, our website. Podcast is always free. That's our Christmas gift to you, but it's year-round. So, pretty good deal. With us now is A.B. Stoddard, Associate Editor and Columnist at Real Clear Politics. A.B., Merry Christmas to you. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, Guy. Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners. Let's just do a short politics thing, and then we can talk about Christmas stuff, because I'm my headspace is not super political today, I have to admit. We're so close to Christmas. So let's just do this. From where you stand right now, you've been covering politics a while. You are very well plugged in. You're a student of this stuff. As we get ready for the new year and this upcoming cycle, what is your sort of 50,000-foot view analysis of where things stand today and what the trajectory looks like, at least at this stage of this upcoming midterm cycle. Yeah, I think that um, what we're going to continue to see is, though a lot of the economic indicators are robust and gas prices are getting lower and think, and the supply chain is working and improving and there's lots of good data out there for the administration to tout, voters will continue not to feel that way for a good long time, and that's because of the pandemic, that um, it's ridiculous for President Biden to say in a very Donald Trump way, we had no idea this was coming about the Omicron variant, 
because I've been at this 18 months and I'm not an epidemiologist or a virologist or even a, you know, dog catcher, but um, I knew that more variants were coming. So some might be stronger, some might be weaker, but it's making voters think that the long-term economic picture is troubling and and anxiety-producing because we're in the middle of a pandemic that's not been contained. So unless that is, I'm sorry? And inflation, right? You add those two things together, that's... That's tough. Right, but the even there there are some better economics economic minds than you or I who say that inflation is going to decrease substantially over the course of 2022. I just think adding it all together, no matter how good the indicators are, the voters will continue to not feel them because oh. they because they believe that um, we're in long term instability due to the pandemic. So there's not enough time for that to, to blow the right way for Democrats, no matter True, how good those economic numbers get. Yeah, and I think that with inflation, I mean, look, the economy is going to improve as we get out of the pandemic. That was always going to be the case. The question is, how long was it going to take? What would that exactly look like? And with a key measure of inflation, the new number coming out today, rising 5.7% in the 12 months ending in November, that's the fastest increase in consumer prices since 1982 before i was born even if you start to get that under control or at least less painful for the american people if that is a slow plodding process deep into 2022 a lot of that gets baked in and i think that's your point ab that even if you get some steady improvement people aren't necessarily going to credit Biden, and they're not going to fully feel it, and that may not be enough to save the Democrats. If you had to make a prediction now, and if things are, of course, always fluid, do you think that the conventional wisdom is largely correct, that the House is very likely to go Republican, and the Senate could as well? Oh, yes, the House is gone because um, the historical average since World War II for the the party first term in the White House in control of Congress, the losses are an average of 27 seats. For Clinton, it was 50, Obama 60. So um, if the Republicans have a terrible night with a three-seat margin, they still take the House. Um, it, it, you know, if, if I think a bad night is like, you know, 25 seats. That puts them well into the majority. It could be 45 um, we can, and I, I anticipate, uh, th- barring a black swan event that we cannot foresee, if the, you know, which, which would rally the country to the president, some international crisis, whatever. If it were held tomorrow, the House is gone, and the Senate is likely gone as well. Uh, th- it's very easy for Republicans to control the Senate again. They only have to win one seat. It's likely they pick up two or three. Um, and again, even as I was trying to say, even though inflation is set to, be, to decrease in 2022, um, any t- the overlay of the pandemic will always make people feel that it's just going to get worse again in three more weeks. Every time something's better, they think it's going to get worse. And so it's just not enough time for these things to assure the public um, and make them change their minds, I don't think. Um, and that's why I think that, you know, uh, again, the, the Republicans, whether – you know, if you just look at redistricting, you look at the historical trends, and then you look at this very slim margin, um, the House is already gone. The Democrats know that. Um, and it's just a question of sort of, you know, interesting Senate races with interesting characters and candidates. Um, a loss for Republicans that John Sununu decided to back off New Hampshire. That was really going to be a key pickup for them. You know, will Herschel Walker turn out to be a huge judd in Georgia? 
those are the questions that might save some Democratic seats, but it's looking pretty grim for them. Yeah, yeah, and maybe not. And Joe Biden's approval rating is not good at the moment. I mean, it's in catastrophe zone for the Democrats right now. He's got 10 months to get it back up, and that might be a halting process on and off because of this PTSD that you just described, people always waiting for a next shoe to drop, a bad shoe to drop, because that's what we've sort of been conditioned to expect over this whole year, which at the end of 2020, we were all like, oh, thank goodness we have 2021 coming because things are going to get better. And then in a lot of ways, some things did, but then they got worse and some things just got a lot worse. And I think it's sort of messed with our heads in a lot of ways. A.B., let's end this conversation on a happier note. Christmas, just a few days away. Anything special going on with your family? Well, thank you for asking, Guy. Um, I feel very grateful this Christmas for, you know, all of the blessings that my family and I have. Um, and we did have plans. All my kids are home from college, and we're having a lovely time. We had planned to go to Connecticut to see my mother and California to see my husband's mother, but we canceled both of those trips because of Omicron, um, because it is ripping through our triple vaccinated community with a vengeance, and um, I don't think it's possible um, to responsibly, you know, get on planes and trains and go see them. So um, that's unfortunate, uh, but we are, again, um, happy to be together and looking forward to uh, celebrating um, Christmas because they, because we're empty nesters, as I've told you, and yeah. uh, this is our first Christmas back together, so we're having, we're having a lovely time. As a mom, you've got to be very happy to have everyone home under the same roof. That's like the mom's dream always. Yes. Merry Christmas to you and yours, and hopefully next year you'll make those trips out to Connecticut and California, and hopefully just the group of you guys, your nuclear family, will have a really uh, wonderful Christmas here the day after tomorrow. A.B., we'll talk to you again in the new year as that cycle unfolds. It's going to be a big one in a lot of ways. I hope that your analysis is right. As a conservative, we shall see. A.B., always appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Guy. Happy New Year. Thanks. That's A.B. Stoddard on The Guy Benson Show, and we will be right back. The Guy Benson Show. More next. We continue here on The Guy Benson Show. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening. GuyBensonShow.com. With us now is Matt Napolitano, sports reporter at Fox News Headlines 24-7 on Sirius XM Channel 115 at Matt Napolitano on Twitter. Matt, welcome back and Merry Christmas to you, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Merry Christmas, Guy. So a lot of moving parts right now in the sports world with huge stars out in COVID protocols, NFL football, NBA basketball, NHL hockey. Hockey, I mean, they've they've canceled a bunch of games. The NHL is not allowing their players to participate now in the Olympics because of COVID concerns. I mean, it's kind of a mess. Where do things stand right now? Well, right now, as you mentioned, the NHL is on a COVID-related pause. Now, there was already a holiday break put in by the NHL for this season. They extended that break because they were basically postponing games left and right because of COVID outbreaks amongst different teams. Twelve teams total across the league ended up getting benched because of a significant outbreak of COVID cases, made even worse by the fact that the NHL decided to halt cross-border travel between the U.S. and Canada that was going to end up having players be stuck in quarantine north of the border because of their stringent laws when it comes to the coronavirus. Now, with the NFL, the approach that they're taking is monitoring case-by-case basis. 
They did have three postponements this past week, delaying games because of outbreaks in certain locker rooms. At one point, the league thought about canceling the games. The NFL Players Association turned around, said, no, you're not costing our guys a paycheck. We're going to make these games come to fruition. The NFL now taking more of an approach of how do we handle more asymptomatic cases as they're seeing as a result of the Omicron variant. With this, they're trying to get people that end up in the COVID protocols out quicker if they're showing no symptoms at all to get these games happening and make sure that there's enough people on these rosters. And the NBA is now looking into that same approach because they've had their share of postponements as well with worries now about Christmas Day, particularly with the Brooklyn Nets trying to take on the L.A. Lakers. Yeah, they had three players come out of the protocols today, including James Harden, but three more just went in. So now that puts things up in the air for how they're going to make those Christmas Day games come to fruition. It's very fluid with each passing hour. Which is a big tradition, of course, but how many traditions have been uprooted with all this upheaval for the last year and a half? I am, I would say, heartened, Matt, from my perspective at least, at the direction that the NFL seems to be headed, and also some of the statements, and you kind of alluded to this, from the commissioner in the NBA, where I've had a lot of issues with him for various reasons over the years. But it seems like there is a bit of a move, and I've also heard uh, from some folks, really plugged-in folks in NHL world, that some of these athletes are absolutely sick and tired of the -the over-the-top COVID protocols saying these are people in peak physical condition, They are young. They are healthy. They want to compete, especially if you've gotten the vaccine. If you get Omicron, it's a cold. Dr. Marty McCary from Johns Hopkins was on this show referring to it as Omicold on the air. These guys want to play, and they're tired of all these interventions. And it sounds like the NFL and the NBA might be leading the way to say, maybe we need to start getting less stringent as opposed to keeping things in place or getting more stringent, let's realize that we have to move on with our lives. And Commissioner Silver almost said exactly that the other day. To me, that is maybe a hopeful sign for sports fans. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. The fact that they're realizing that lockdowns and shutting down the league is not the solution. I think the NHL really just had their hands tied in this situation because you're dealing with a lot more cross-border travel. The fact that you have a quarter of the league is playing out of Canada, whereas the NBA, you got one team in the Toronto Raptors, the NFL, no teams at all. So you're able to get more control over travel uh, restrictions and everything going on in terms of that realm. I think that fans want to see these games. Players want to play these games. And a lot of these guys, yeah, they got themselves vaccinated with the sole purpose of being able to make these games come to fruition. So I think it's kind of a slap in the face in some sense that they see it, that they're being told, oh, wait, we can't play because there's 10 guys that are in the protocols, let's say, but nine of them are asymptomatic because they're vaccinated, got their boosters, and then there's one person who's unvaccinated who is just going to have to sit out and deal with the ramifications. Moving forward, this is the procedure that I think is going to be seen across a lot of leagues. You know, Major League Baseball season, if it does come to fruition, we still don't know there. But we're going to see a lot more leagues take the approach of COVID is a part of our world. We have to deal with this in any way we can to make these games happen and to not make guys who are went out of their way to take the public health crisis seriously and getting vaccinated be able to take part in these games. Meanwhile, in the college sports world, Last weekend, I was really looking forward to a pretty important game for my Northwestern Wildcats against the Blue Demons of DePaul, sort of a Chicago rivalry matchup, both teams playing well. Our fans were hyped for that, and the game got canceled because DePaul had a COVID outbreak. 
and you've seen now various teams scrambling at times to say, all right, who wants to come play us? Our opponent can't play. Let's play someone else. It's kind of wild to see, right? In in a realm where schedules are sometimes made years in advance, especially on the football side, to see you know teams getting slotted into bowl games at the last minute. What was this Rutgers move here? Uh, I guess are they going to go to the Gator Bowl or one of these major bowls? A below five hundred team. It's just kind of a, a free for all at the moment, Matt. In some cases, especially in the college sports realm, we're seeing sort of a make-it-up-as-you-go situation. We saw the CBS Sports Classic, where a couple of teams bowed out of the tournament in Las Vegas, and they ended up just having the two that were remaining just face off against each other. We're seeing talks now that Rutgers is going to fill in for Texas A&M in the Gator Bowl against Wake Forest. There was also talk of Illinois, who was sub-500, filling in. Marshall, who already played a bowl game, was talked about as a possible substitution. The second you know, bowl so, game. It, it, it's very yeah exactly a second bowl game, but for the thundering herd. But you know what? It's all going off the cuff right now because this was I think anticipated in terms of getting a surge in cases around this time of year. But I think people really underestimated just what was going to happen with these cases, how asymptomatic cases would work, how it would work in situations for vaccinated players who also got their boosters. I think a lot of this wasn't taken into account that should have been, and that's why we're seeing. You know, leagues and conferences, especially in the collegiate realm, just kind of flying by the seat of their pants right now. So we're just about a week out from the college football playoff, the semifinals, and there's a lot of anticipation around that, of course. Alabama and Cincinnati, and then Michigan and Georgia, assuming those games get played. And I see, I think the entire Michigan team all got boosted together at the same time to make a statement there. I would imagine there is a very strong incentive among everyone involved to have those games get played. A, do you agree with that? And B, what are your predictions for those two matchups? Well, I will say this, though. These teams are definitely taking their COVID protocols very seriously. Nick Saban earlier in the week talked about how Alabama is basically reverting back to the restrictions they had in place last year before vaccines were even a thing. They're basically approaching this like COVID as much as it was an active part of their lives during last season. As we head into these games, it's going to be very interesting. The Alabama-Cincinnati matchup, as much as it excites me to see Cincinnati break through for the non-Power 5 schools, I really don't see it going well for them. I see the Crimson Tide coming away with the victory there. Michigan-Georgia, that matchup excites me much, much more. I think we're going to see a great effort out of Michigan's defense in that game. It's really going to put Georgia to the test because they have a lot to prove after that poor showing in the SEC title game. I do think that Michigan is just playing possessed right now. They, they really want to prove that this is where they belong after all these years of being kept out, of all the struggles they've gone through to finally come away with the Big Ten title. I think Jim Harbaugh and company are just men on a mission, and they're going to get their way into that national title game. And I think it's, wow. going, to be, it's going to be the tide against the Wolverines. Wow. Well, I mean, look, they're playing very well, and they looked great against Ohio State. They absolutely demolished the Hawkeyes in the Big Ten championship game. Georgia is also going to be playing pissed off, I would say, based on the way they got embarrassed, frankly, in the SEC championship game. With all the expectations, with their number one ranking, this was finally the year. I think they're going to be on a mission. I think you've got two extremely motivated teams coming together in that 2-3 matchup. And if it's Georgia, if Georgia prevails, you know, I just wonder, can they get into a headspace to turn it around and actually beat Bama in a rematch? I don't know. And I was telling Joey Jones yesterday, he's a big Georgia fan. He was on the show. I said, I don't know who I'm rooting for because some of my best friends are Bulldogs. 
but I'm a Big Ten guy, not a big Harbaugh guy, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I can't wait for the game. I really, really hope that both of those matchups happen and that COVID doesn't intervene and, frankly, that the powers that be don't overreact. And I'm just a college football and college basketball fan, obviously. So that's part of me, my heart speaking, I have to admit. We'll be watching, if it happens, Matt Napolitano, sports reporter, Fox News Headlines 24-7. You can listen to that and him on Sirius XM Channel 115. Matt, good stuff. We'll talk to you in the new year, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, Guy. Final hour of the Guy Benson Show, our happy hour right ahead of Christmas. It's coming up. Don't go anywhere. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Happy Hour on the Guy Benson Show on this Thursday, Christmas Eve Eve. Very happy to have you here each and every day, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern and around the clock on demand. No charge, always free on the podcast. GuyBensonShow.com. That's our website, GuyBensonShow.com. And this hour sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink, which is delicious. We have some here at the house, just a few. They're mostly gone. TheLongDrink.com is the website. You can find out why I'm such a fan, and many of you already have. TheLongDrink.com. Always drink responsibly. 21 plus only. Thank you. Joining us now is Juan Williams, Fox News analyst, columnist for The Hill, author of multiple books, including What the Hell Do You Have to Lose? Juan, Merry Christmas. Welcome back. Merry Christmas, guy. This is a great time of year. You know, I, I don't know if I've told you this. This is my favorite time of the year. And I, I think I may have mentioned to you earlier that I was at a dinner recently with the man who runs the Gallup poll, and he told me most yes. Americans, their number one is Thanksgiving. But I'm a Christmas guy. I think that's fair. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, as we talked about a lot last month. But I will say part of the reason that it's my favorite holiday is that it's officially kicking off the holiday season and you know that Christmas is coming. That's part of the appeal and the allure of Thanksgiving, in addition to all the things that are special and unique about Thanksgiving. So I'm a big Christmas guy as well, especially once we're getting this close, and we really are close. Let's do a politics-free zone today, Juan, in this interview. We're just going to talk about other things. We can talk about current events. For example, this actually ties in with you and Loving Christmas. We've talked a lot over the last year and a half on this show together about COVID. Now there's this whole Omicron thing. It's everywhere. It's spiking. It's the biggest spike in the country, actually, is in Washington, D.C., which is the area you and I both live. What are you guys doing in your household? Is it sort of like extra cautious or sort of like we've been there, done that, we're going to be fine? What's the mentality? Wow. Well, first of all, I don't know about you, but I have a sense of fatigue, just mental you know, tired. I mean, I'm just, yep. I just want it over, but okay, let's move on. So what are we doing? <laughs> well, uh, no going to the gym uh, or to get a massage, which is something I like to do, um, and trying to stay 
out of stores. And, of course, this time of year, it's part of the fun. It's just to walk around and see people and be in the stores, but not yep. so much Browse. this year. And, um, you know, it's just it, we're, we're trying to go away. And so the calculation had to be made. Do we think it's worth the risk to go through the airport, get on the plane, and fly off, uh, for, in our case, to Jamaica? And, oh, wow. Uh, we, we decided we would do it. Now, let me just tell you very quickly, Guy, that last week was my wife's 70th birthday. So it was a big I actually deal. was, I was going to ask you about that. It's on my list here. Oh, very kind of you. You know, you're a thoughtful guy. I mean, every time of the year. It doesn't have to be Christmas. Anyway, so um, we were going to have a surprise party for her at a restaurant downtown. And we love this restaurant. It's called Ocean Air. And they oh, got yeah. us the private room and everything to have, like, 16-plus people in this room. But my daughter, uh, who's a stickler about the virus, ultimately said she thought it was too big a risk to be in a popular downtown restaurant in the big city. Uh, so I reached out some, to some other restaurant owners, and we found a restaurant that had outdoor seating and had a tent and some heaters, and that's where we had the birthday party. Well, Juan, just, just to jump in, if you're ever thinking about having another meal at Ocean Air and your daughter doesn't want to come, sign me up. I will take her <laughs> spot in an instant. I agree. Well, you know, uh, guy, we, we are overdue for that. But anyway, yes, I, I love that restaurant. But so we ended up at an Indian restaurant called Bombay Club where they have outdoor seating. And it's not far from the White House, actually. Yeah, so right by the White House. That's a good spot. Yeah, it was beautiful, but you know, I mean, it's 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 now every kind of gathering event you have to think about it. I just had like a, and this was a surprise to me. I got several invitations to holiday parties, and I, you know, I was like, of course, you know, one of them came from a very good friend, and uh, I initially said yes, and then everybody around me said, you can't go to that. He's not vaccinated, and I said, oh my god, I didn't even think about it, you know. Oh, I think that's sort of a normal thing, and that's his choice at this point. I think he should be vaccinated. I think everyone should be vaccinated, but I also don't think that we should be ostracizing people or cutting them out of our friend group. They're not putting you at greater risk, Juan. The risk is theirs. It's a risk that they're taking. That's just sort of my approach to this sort of thing. I do want to ask you, though, since we were mentioning your wife's birthday, it was a big one, as you mentioned, and it was going to be a surprise. Did you pull off the surprise? Yes. And, you know, what was interesting about this is somebody from the first restaurant called her, unaware that it had been a surprise, and she said, oh, I didn't know we were coming to dinner tonight. Uh, so that, it, you know, kind of like, well, I guess you knew <laughs> we were thinking about dinner. But <laughs> That's then, sort of a spoiler there. But it wasn't because she didn't know that it was going to be, you know, 16, more than 16 people, you know, all of her relatives and friends. Um, but then when we got out of the car at the Bombay Club, she looked over because obviously these people are outside in a transparent tent area. And she said, oh, my gosh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get in there. Like, you know, like Oh, it's too it's too crowded. Well, it's crowded for you, yeah. Delise. Right. Well, then she turns the corner and says, oh, my God. And then it was so the surprise held to answer your question. That's terrific. Was she just overjoyed? That's got to be pretty special. It was special for her. And, you know, she is one of these people who 
didn't want anything big done, and I think a little bit uptight about turning 70 and all that, and, oh, she doesn't want any parties and any celebrations. Well, guy, she loved it. She ate it up. <laughs> well, you've done good, Juan, I have to say. That's, that's an impressive thing to pull off, and you managed to do it. Meanwhile, you've got Christmas now, the day after tomorrow. You're going to Jamaica. Now I'm, like, I have new curiosities. When Juan Williams is in Jamaica, I'm picturing you in a big hat, maybe some linen, maybe a, a rum-based <laughs> cocktail on the beach. Is that about right, or is not? Am I uh, am I sort of envisioning something wrong? Well, maybe the younger me, uh, but no. Uh, at, <laughs> at the present age, uh, it's grandchildren, and it's you know uh-huh. children walking by, and me reading a book. Um, and <laughs> typically, I'm just in a pair of swimming trunk because I love to get in the ocean. Um, just, I don't know why. It's almost like I'm a sponge for the ocean. I could be SpongeBob. <laughs> That's fair. Sponge Juan, SquarePants. <laughs> Let's ask you this, Juan, on Christmas. When you were a kid, like young child Juan Williams, at the peak of your Christmas excitement, is there a specific memory or gift from Santa or from parents that you remember that really stands out in your mind? Well, um, boy, you know, you touch a lot of uh, emotional chords here. Um, So my mom didn't give gifts, and in part because we were poor people, and, you know, other things were more important, you know, keeping the bills paid and, you know, food on the table. Um, But I remember there was one year when my brother and I got Oh, gosh. Uh, Some money for a tree. (laughs) And it reminds me a little bit about Charlie Brown. Uh, If you've ever seen, you know, that Charlie Brown. Oh, yeah, that that sad little tree. (laughs) Yeah, because, uh, you know, we had to wait until all the other trees were sold so we could afford that tree. Wow. And uh, I remember it to this day. That's, That's really cool. What year was that, Juan? Oh, gee, I don't remember. This is Brooklyn, New York. And I guess I was about, you know, six or seven guys. So that's a long time ago. That would be one years ago. In your wildest dreams, in your wildest dreams, that six or seven-year-old Juan Williams, could you ever imagine that one day you would be at the Washington Post, National Public Radio, Fox News, big contracts, best-selling books? You really came from a background where... You know, you might think that type of thing wouldn't be possible for you, but it was, and you did it. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, it it really is, and uh, it's hard to step back uh, because you know, day to day, guy, you and I live in a very competitive world, and we want this yeah. and we want that, or what happened and controversy and argument and politics, um, and but when I step back and I think about it it's it's pretty amazing you know God bless America man yeah yeah I mean amen last question Juan as you are getting ready for this year's Christmas I would imagine and hopefully one day I'll be there myself I would imagine being a grandparent at Christmas is a pretty special thing as well because you were able to treat your kids but there's a difference between raising kids where you're trying to really juggle a lot of different considerations versus spoiling grandkids. So talk about that, how you and your wife operate at Christmas time with your grandkids. Well, this is a 
amazing question for this year, 2021 Christmas, because, Guy, our family went through a tragedy several years ago in which our oldest son uh, and his wife lost a child after full term. Uh, Mm. And it was to be their first child. And, you know, you can imagine how devastating that is, not only for the mom and the dad, uh, but for the entire family, because the the waves of grief don't stop. And it happened in November, just a month, really, before the Christmas season. So this year, in 2021, that couple had a baby, uh, a little girl in June. And it was like, you know, a gift from the gods, you know, for us as a family and certainly salvation for them as a couple. Because, you know, after that kind of thing, people can break up. You never know what's going to happen. But we had they had the baby. That baby is happy and healthy and in our family. Uh, Of course, we're all worried about COVID because someone who's six months can't get a shot and all that. Um, And then the more direct answer to your question uh, with our family, the question is, how many toys can these little people have, right? And at what point <laughs> do you stop with it? It gets ridiculous. Right. So, you know, you do things like educational savings accounts, and you do things like try to create memories, you know, like invest in, you know, going away together so that we get some time together because everybody gets so busy, and you just you don't want to miss those years when they're little people. I think that's great. And I think memories... In fact, now that you say it, I'm racking my brain. I'm trying to think of a Christmas gift, a physical gift, that my grandparents ever gave me. And I'm struggling to think of one. However, I can think of so many memories with them, doing things, going to restaurants, going to the beach, going to the opera or to Broadway shows or on vacation and trips, them reading to me in bed, that type of stuff. That's what I remember. So I think you're on to something. I should be taking notes about parenthood and one day (laughs) grandparenthood from Juan Williams. Sounds like it's been a pretty pretty significant and weighty in some ways couple years in your extended family, Juan. And it's just uh, very meaningful that you would open up and share some of that with us. I know this time of year is magical in a lot of ways, but it can also be difficult and dredge up other emotions as well. And I think it's okay for us to to talk about those because we're all human beings. And I know there's a lot of people in this audience who know you and agree with you and probably disagree with you. But, you know, we're all people. And, and, and that's great to remember always, but especially around Christmas. And Juan, it's, it's very kind of you to spend some time with us here. Merry Christmas to you. Happy birthday, of course, to your wife as well. Have a great time in Jamaica. And uh, we'll argue about politics again soon. I promise. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, Guy, and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, Juan. That's Juan Williams on The Guy Benson Show. And we'll be right back. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Happy hour on The Guy Benson Show. We are back. I tweeted something last night. I was on the train. I took a late night train back home. And I actually posted on my Instagram when I finally got in after 2 a.m. It was a long train ride. It took forever for some reason. But I got into Union Station in D.C. And they have these beautiful wreaths that are hanging from sort of the portico. And the wreaths have the Christmas bow and they're all lit up. 
and the architecture is quite beautiful. So I took a photo and I posted it on my Instagram story at Guy P Benson. And you can add Christmas lyrics and music to your stories. You can add any sort of music to your stories, but around this time of year, I added "I'll Be Home for Christmas," Bing Crosby, because I was arriving home in D.C. And the train ride, yeah, it was it was not my favorite, but. They did serve beer on the train, so I was not too mad about that. In any case, was getting home for Christmas. I was feeling a little bit nostalgic on the train ride. And out of nowhere, I just started thinking about food. Not surprising. We talk about food all the time here on the show. We're food people. And I just decided to tweet something that I believe is just a fact. I know it's technically an opinion or a subjective viewpoint, but to me it's a fact. I stated... I would stand by this, that the best pizza, Italian delis, and bagels in the world are in northern New Jersey. And I know I grew up there from fourth grade on through high school, so I'm biased, but I've had a lot of pizza and bagels over the years. Italian delis aren't even really a thing in a lot of the country. And there were people arguing with me. Long Island was weighing in, saying, no, no, you're wrong. The Brooklyn people were fighting. I just think it's northern New Jersey where those particular food items... I'm not saying that New Jersey has the best food on every front in the world. These are three very specific things. Pizza and then Italian delis, mostly like Italian subs in particular, and then bagels. I feel especially strong about the pizza and the bagels in northern Jersey. And I also knew this would be an opportunity for producer Christine and I to agree because... With all the people, and I did get quite a few folks saying this is exactly correct. This is a correct opinion, including some folks not from New Jersey, right? So I felt buttressed by that support. But Christine, should I really take comfort in the fact that you agree with me here, considering that your favorite pizza has pineapple on it from Domino's? I didn't say that was my all-time favorite pizza. I said I really, truly enjoy it, but... Yeah, Guy, it's not. It's like a Christmas miracle right now that you and I agree on something. I am living in northern New Jersey, and I could not agree more. It's funny that you mentioned the Italian deli, because I wonder, going out of this area, you know, there's regular delis that we have, but then we have specific Italian delis. And that's where you get, like, the really good sandwiches or, you know, your side dishes. Well, but there's also, Christine, you have to understand, there's a lot of places all around the country that just don't have delis. Like delis what? in a neighborhood or in your town, they just don't have them. And you describe so like, what a deli is, and people are like, that's strange. I Honestly, I did not even know that. So, like, if you wanted to go get, like, a sub sandwich, where would they go? Like a 7-Eleven? Or, like, where well, would they go? Well, you go to, go like, you know, there? Jimmy John's or Jersey Mike's, and those places are fine, but it's oh. not a neighborhood deli or an Italian deli. That's sort of a somewhat regional thing. So that's something just to keep in mind. I think that we are blessed. People hate on New Jersey, but if you are a fan of Italian subs, pizza, and bagels, it is a blessing to be from New Jersey. And that's final. End of discussion on The Guy Benson Show. Happy Hour continues after this. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. It is the Guy Benson Show. Happy hour. Merry Christmas. Glad to have you here. We've got a great best of tomorrow. We've got guest hosts and best of programming next week. But we still have a lot of show left today. So please stay tuned even as you're getting ready 
for Christmas, all those preparations. Earlier we chatted with our friend, Kat Timpf. We always get into nonsense with her. We got into nonsense again today with her. It's not Fridays with Kat, but it's Friday Eve with Kat, Christmas Eve Eve with Kat. Here's our friend, Kat Timpf. Do you get more Christmas gifts in general for your husband or for your animals? Like Cheens, for example. Um, well, I don't really give Christmas gifts. I give, like, something small for Christmas. But I usually am smart about Christmas gifts, too. Like, okay, I have the best gift idea ever. Okay. I do it for my brother. I pay for his Spotify account, and I do it one time. So now every year, guess what I'm getting you? I'm renewing your Spotify subscription. <laughs> I'm sure he's delighted and surprised every year by your creativity. <laughs> Except the thing is, it's actually pragmatic and practical, and he uses it all year, and it's something that's yeah. useful. So like, it is kind of boring and predictable and not exciting, but is that necessarily the point? I think it's a good gift. Yeah, and absolutely, especially because it takes the stress off of both of us, right? Because it's stressful to give a gift. It can also be, like, stressful to receive a gift if it's yes. from someone you're close to, right? Like your partner <laughs> or, like, a sibling you're really close to or, like, your parents. Because you know they hate it, and they will know you know. And, like, so if you're receiving it, you don't like it. You worry about that, too. He doesn't have to worry about it. He, he just knows his Spotify is good for a year. How do you do it with Cam? your husband, and back when you were dating, do you drop hints about what you want? Do you have an explicit list? Do you not really want gifts from him? How do you signal to your significant other? Listen, I really don't ever want Christmas gifts because I get stressed out about what to give people, and I give people presents. Like, I'll give Cam presents sometimes for no reason. Um, but, yeah, I do, Cam. He's listening. <laughs> but he's like, is he calling BS from the kitchen right now? Is he's that not calling happened? BS. <laughs> and I no, I do like cute stuff for like other stuff, but I really want to talk about it on the radio. So stop. It's okay, it's, like, we romantic. Can... I, I do like sweet romantic things, and I don't want to talk about it because it'll ruin my brand. Um, oh yes, because you're cold but, and that girl, no, and you I, don't I want don't people know. to know it's that you're actually personal. sort of a softy. It's just personal. Oh, I'm not a softy. I'm cold as ice. But, um, like, I think it's fun to, like, if you want to get tickets to, like, an event with someone, you know, like, that they want to go to, you do have to talk to them about that. Yeah, so, I think because that's, think that's an experience, and unless you really know that they love it, then it's better to collaborate, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, like, if you're, like, a, like a financially stable adult, like, every day is Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, if I want a sweater, I'll buy a sweater, you know? I think that that's a but, mature way to look at it. Yeah, I, I don't really like Valentine's Day either. My birthday, though, is very serious to me because that's the day where it's like it's about me. So, no, oh, that's a big one. By the way, your husband is texting me mid-segment. I think he's trying to fact-check things in real time. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move on. We're gonna. So you did mention that you're cold as ice, and that's a great transition into what I called you on Gutfeld this week. You were off that night. And I had to note your absence at a strategically apropos time. And I did text you apologizing for this, but not really that sorry because it was funny. Cut 22. You know, uh, you don't want to piss off meth heads because they don't sleep. <laughs> Where's Kat, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> oh! 
for the record, Kat, I just wanted to clear the air here between us. I don't appreciate that you are called a meth head and a crack addict and all the things that he calls you, Greg, on a regular basis. However, that is part of the running joke of the show, so I couldn't resist. Is that an acceptable joke? Um, well, let's think about it. It depends who you ask, because there are some <laughs> grandmothers out there in the U.S. of A. who are like, send me actually serious emails about how they're concerned about my, quote, blatant drug use. Um, <laughs> but, you know... <laughs> They would all be very disappointed to find out how, uh, you know, how uh, I've never, you know, seen math, for example. But, you know, Greg makes those jokes all the time. But Greg also employs me and, like, supports me a lot, like, throughout my career. So, guy, I can't wait to see what you do, what you do for my career because you made a meth joke about me. Well, it was more of just playing. See, I feel like contributing well to your show. Are you show. telling me you want a co-host? You're telling me you want a co-host? You, tell, you, you say you want it to be Benson and Tim? I, I'm, I am not take, saying that. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I, think I, I am simply say that. saying that when I appear on Gutfeld and do a good job, we had great ratings the other night. I feel like that helps your career because you're the co-host of the show, and any little part I can do to add to the success is also helpful to you, but also helpful to me. I think it's just a symbiotic thing. Yeah, I agree. And you know, listen. Yeah, you, you do great on the show. You know, you got some good. You've had some good lines, I must say. I appreciate. It. There's a lot. Well, look, there's pressure, right? Because Greg's got all the jokes. You are always prepared, and you've got some. What was your uh, your riff the other day about, oh, Biden's war on women? That was funny. Oh, yeah. You, well, you have to watch the whole video. I can't recreate the, the perfect comedic moment that I created there. Uh, that was, was good stuff, It was just a perfect execution. So uh, I would, I would <laughs> I like to send everyone to the video where I perfectly executed the bit. Um, and they can follow and Morgan you on, Ortegas as well. on social. Oh, Morgan, uh, yeah. Morgan is uh, good people. Yeah, at Cat Tim on both on both Twitter and Instagram. I invite everyone to follow me and watch my War on Women video. <laughs> I want to ask you this, Cat. There was a study that we talked about last night. I was filling in for Kennedy, and you know, I'm I'm a little skeptical of this study. Not as much of another study that we're going to talk about later in the show today, but 53% of Americans based on this study in the survey say that 2021 was the worst year of their lives. They have never had a worse year than 2021. 53%. And so we got into a bit of a debate with the panel last night. Was 2020 worse or was 2021 worse? And that's the type of sort of sunny and cheerful debate that I know you would love to participate in. Fox News contributor Kat Timpf, that full interview on The Guy Benson Show available on the podcast. GuyBensonShow.com, it's right there. It is free every day on demand. When we come back, the home stretch. apparently there's been some research done into the most dangerous Christmas songs to drive to. I am skeptical of this alleged research, but we will reveal the answers what you should be careful of on the roads when you're traveling today and tomorrow when it comes to Christmas tunes. That's straight ahead. For the full interview and more, go to GuyBensonShow.com. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show. Merry almost Christmas. And 
It has been quite a program today. We had a lot of warm and fuzzies with Juan Williams. If you missed that earlier in the hour, that was a pretty emotional interview. I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. The podcast is always free. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, wherever you get your podcasts. We're right there, The Guy Benson Show. We don't want to do too much more sentimentality. This is going to be too sappy of an hour. So instead, what we're going to do here is count down, according to science, allegedly, the five most dangerous Christmas songs in America. I guess researchers said that they wanted to gauge the danger of listening to songs while driving because, what is this, Christine, because of the beat of the song or something and you start to drive too fast because of it? Well, I mean, I drive fast for every and every situation when I'm in the car. But, yeah, apparently the beats per minute for these songs uh, maybe get your heart rate up and it's a little more dangerous while you're driving. I mean, I think that's ridiculous. I like the whole premise of this is a bit absurd to me. And I'll just read briefly from the article. This is from a Fox affiliate. In the final stretch of Christmas Day, everyone has likely had their fill of holiday songs. See, I am not sick of them yet because I didn't start listening to them until December. So I'm not Christmas songed out yet, but we're getting close. It's going to time out perfectly. They've been playing, of course, in stores and on the radio for more than a month. Whether you like the classics or a newer mix, studies suggest some Yuletide hits could have an effect on people's ability to drive. So they found that when you listen to the radio, it can be helpful. It keeps people awake. It keeps people attentive. However, some songs hit differently than others. An insurance company recently released a list of the most dangerous Christmas songs to drive to claiming that some carols could cause crashes. And yes, the results are based on the number of beats per minute in the song. In my opinion, this was a complete, like, attention grab. Like, this was a PR stunt. I don't believe this, but it succeeded because we're doing it as a topic. It's also just an excuse to play some of these songs and then argue about whether any of this makes any sense. So, look... I bring you this information not vouching for the validity of the science here. But, look, we report, you decide. Let's start with the fifth most dangerous Christmas song to drive to, allegedly. Listen here. And so this is Christmas. I hope you How is that a problem? That's like a low-key song. It's relaxing. I don't find that, like, my heart doesn't start racing. I'm not pushing further down on the pedal. I'm listening to that song. I don't get that. Again, I'm dubious. I'm dubious of this whole thing. All right, number four, let's listen. I mean, that one I, at least I get. Jackson 5, very young Michael Jackson, belting it out. That's upbeat. I like that song. I like that song a lot. 
but I can at least understand the idea that it would make me go faster in the car, unlike the previous one. Those are almost completely opposite songs. No, I don't know. The more we get into this, the less I believe it. All right, number three, supposedly. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. All right. I mean, I, I don't even know how to analyze this. This insurance company, by the way, I was reading more of this article. This is an Irish insurance company. I think this is, I think this is made up. I honestly do. I kind of like Feliz Navidad. I like it better than the Hawaiian Christmas song. Although we were just having dinner with some friends the other day. His favorite Christmas song is the Hawaiian one. Say Merry Christmas to you. It's fine. I think it's overplayed. I haven't heard Feliz Navidad as much this year. And I think it's a good one. All right, whatever. Number two. Oh, and we cut the song off before the famous part. And then her hitting the note. I've actually made a specific effort this year not to listen to that song too much because it is absolutely overplayed, and you can get sick of it. It is a great modern-era Christmas song. Great. I will underscore that. And I haven't heard it too much this year, so just as it was playing in my headphones right now, I was just bopping along. Now I want to go back and listen to the whole song. There was, there was one Christmas season where an ex had a Christmas party. And at this party, they must have played that song, without exaggeration, 50 times. And I think I overdosed. I overdosed on Mariah. By even like the seventh or eighth playing, I was like, guys, Really? And then by the 40th, I probably have to go take a walk somewhere just for my own sanity. So I think it's like when you get food poisoning and then you're scared to try that food again for a while, which is irrational. Maybe that was my reaction for a few years on that Mariah Carey classic. But when you go cold turkey on it for a while, then you hear it. It's just like, I'm sorry, you can't deny that it's good. Maybe I'd go a little faster in the car listening to that song, especially when she does the high note at the end. You sort of whoop, accelerate. That's the first one that makes them, I would say, the most sense to me based on this premise. But then they lose me with supposedly, again, ostensibly, allegedly, the number one most dangerous Christmas song to listen to in the car if you're driving. It's this one. Yeah, I don't love the song. It's fine. I'm also not buying that it's going to make you drive off a bridge by accident. 
All right, Christine, do you have any thoughts on this before we part ways for the Christmas season? I, I just don't get it. I, I think I'm kind of with you. Maybe this is a little made up. It was nice for us to play the songs. You know me. I love a good Christmas song. And That's why you pitched days. this. Like it was a headline. You're like, oh, Christmas song. This is a top topic. Let's do it. And I was like, well, this smells like absolute rubbish to me, but fine. And here we've done it. We've done it together, and we've talked about Christmas songs in our final segment, new segment on the show before Christmas. We've got a great best of tomorrow. But congratulations. We've, we've done this as our last home stretch together of 2021. Hopefully we will have many home stretches to come in 2022 and beyond on all of our normal topics from Mama's Juice to Carousel and everything in between. It has been a very interesting, memorable year, has it not? We've got guest hosts next week. We've got best ofs next week. But I'm going to be off with new shows until the new year. It is a great privilege to come to you every day on The Guy Benson Show. We could not do this without our team. Merry Christmas to our entire team and our support group and our bosses at Fox News Radio and all of our great affiliates. It is really meaningful to have you on the team and, of course, to our audience, our growing audience. We are so grateful. Thank you for listening. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy New Year. And when we meet again, it'll be 2022 and we'll be off to the races in a very important and consequential election year. Merry Christmas, everyone, and good night. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.